Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Was a wind turbine destroyed by an alien? A bizarre weakness for an otherwise unstoppable cryptid. And then we take a look at the story of Haditha Dam in Iraq. It's the opening days of the Iraqi war, and U.S. forces make a quick push to secure the dam. Were they trying to prevent an ecological disaster? Or an energy catastrophe? Or were they trying to prevent the four horsemen from being unleashed upon the world? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. we got a lot of stuff to cover and I'm really sore... Because today was my first official day of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Urgh, training. Picking you up. Urgh, throwing you. Throwing you into the Carpenter Copter. You're like, ah. Following the Carpenter Copter and then I'm just walking through like smoke towards the copter. If you're a new listener, you have no idea what's going on. That's okay. I pick you up. Urgh, I throw you in as well. New and old. You're both getting tossed into the Carpenter Copter. And we're all going to be on the Carpenter Copter as you're like, oh, my neck. Ow. Jason, why'd you do that to me? I'm like, pain is love, my friend. Turning on the helicopter. Pain is love. We are flying, first off, to Lincolnshire, UK. The United Kingdom. The kingdom that never sleeps. And it's January 2009. So, flying the Carpenter Copter. Over the sunny, sunny hills of England. Green grass, as opposed to that yellow grass. Wait, no, there is yellow grass. I was going to say, it's supposed to be a color that doesn't exist in nature. There is yellow grass. I'm sure some countries have it. Savannah, probably. Big old savannah. With the large fields of, of wheat or whatever's out there. I don't buy this whole humans are bad for the environment thing. Like, sure, we might not be, like, the great, the greatest... But if it wasn't for us, there'd be pumpkins everywhere. Like, think about it. The way that plants move about the planet is like wind blows them. A little seed pops out of a wheat thing. You're like, Jason, are you really going to go on a tangent about science? The subject you know the least about? Yes, I am. A little seed pops out of wheat. And flies all the way from Gloucester, England, United Kingdom, wherever to Spain, and then it lands in some dirt, and then some wheat grows. Now, the only reason why crops are relegated to... (laughs) Like, Jason, you really don't know what you're talking about. The only reason why crops are relegated to certain areas is because we say, no pumpkins here. And so we destroy... We basically, like, if a pumpkin landed in your front yard, pumpkin seed landed in your front yard, some passerby is spinning them out, a bird's defecating them, you then see a little pumpkin start growing, and you're like, no, and you, like, chop it up, get rid of it. Or you let it grow and have some delicious pumpkin pie. But 
we basically go, no, this is a lawn, this is a forest, this is a pumpkin patch, and here we go. Now, if it wasn't for us, if it wasn't for humans, there the world would just be a mismatch of stuff. And then seeds would be blowing from Europe to Russia, and they, they would take over. The seeds would form, they would form a junta, and they would be destroying the other seeds in their area. So yes, and I get it, hold on, don't start yelling yet, I get it, the world's four billion years old, and seeds have been blown around forever, but I'm sure before humans showed up, there were pumpkins everywhere. Pumpkin might be a bad analogy, because it's kind of a heavy, it's kind of a resource-heavy fruit. Or vegetable. You're like, Jason, if you don't know, a pumpkin is a vegetable off the top of your head. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's go ahead and continue with our first story here. 2009 is Lincolnshire, United Kingdom. There's grass fields as far as the eye can see. There's also these big old wind turbines. So, they spin faster and faster. The wind turbines, most people don't know this conspiracy. They're there to help the Earth rotate. It's like a little propulsion unit for the Earth. That's why they're really pushing on building more wind turbines. It's not for free energy. not for green energy. It's because the Earth stopped rotating. Or the Earth started to slow down about 50 years ago. And if we don't have more wind turbines, the Earth will stop spinning completely. That's totally made up. But I want you guys to share that conspiracy theory. Tell them, oh, did you know the world is also slowly... Uh, stopping to rotate, and that's the real reason behind wind turbines. Anyways, out in Lincolnshire, it's going, and then one night, people in town or village, however you want to put it, I think they're called shires over there, Lincolnshire, we've talked about this before on the show, the the wind turbine goes, it's not an old man, it's not waking up in the morning, And everyone's like, what in the world? What in tarnation? The bunch of hillbillies out there. They wake up and they see, because this happened at night, and I missed the key detail, but anyways, I'll keep going. Then I'll explain the key detail. They wake up, and a winter mine, you know, has like the big three fans things. It's like the giant stick and then three blades that spin around generate electricity. One is completely knocked off and laying on the ground. The other one, the other blade is super bent back, deformed, all mashed up. And then the one's totally normal. Now, obviously the sound I made at 10 o'clock at night recording this episode is nothing compared to the sound that they heard. It was super, super loud. It was like, ah, it's waking up. Sounded like massive thunder hitting this thing. But there was no lightning strikes in the area. The key detail I meant (laughs) meant to say earlier before I started talking about pumpkins taking over the world is that they saw, preceding this, people saw these little orbs flying around. These little orbs with tentacles flying around. And basically UFOs. So they've been seeing these, like, things floating around with uh, little tendrils coming off of them. And then no one, everyone's like, oh, it's unidentified objects. It's, it's Darby O'Gillis and the little people. It's leprechauns. It's fairy magic. But because this is modern times... People are saying they're UFOs. Also, not Ireland. So I don't think people in Lincolnshire really believe in leprechauns. But I don't even know if the Irish still do. They should, though. Because leprechauns are dope. Those movies are, at least. I should. Why? How come I've never done an episode about leprechauns now that I think about it? I bet you wish I had. Ooh. Uh, 
So anyways, they're seeing these UFOs, <laughs> seeing these UFOs float around, and then there's just massive destruction of this windmill. Now, a lot of people in the area are like, oh, it's the UFOs. It must have been a UFO spacecraft that crashed into this thing and mashed it up. So that was the news going around in the area, and that's how the news article got out to us. This is a headline from the Telegraph news website. UFO blamed for destruction of wind turbine. People were in the area were like, it must have been a UFO. Now, of course, other people came out and said, UFOs aren't... Well, UFOs are real, but they're not alien spacecraft. They're unidentified flying objects, sure, but they're not alien spacecraft. They said this could have happened for a number of reasons. One, it could have been a manufacturing defect. Two, it could have been an issue where it wasn't... This would still be considered a manufacturing defect, or it could just be wear and tear, but... A little bit of water gets in between the pieces, and it builds up, and then one day it gets particularly cold, and it freezes, and like freezing cold and metal, it's going to start smashing stuff and falls apart. And people are like, nah, I don't like, I, those sound awfully mundane, or that doesn't sound like the, the noise I heard, that wouldn't cause this massive destruction. And really, it came down to this quote, this guy left this quote, he's being interviewed for this article, and he said this, and this is something I think that a lot of people lose sight of. Quote, any of these explanations, and he's talking about the more mundane ones, he's talking about the water one, and then just wear and tear, manufacturing defects, stuff like that I, I went over. Quote, any of these explanations, plus several others, appear to me to be much more plausible than the idea that technologically advanced aliens have traveled light years across space, but then bumped into a wind turbine. And that's exactly true. Like, Obviously, you have to plot a. If you have to plot travel between galaxies, and then you're like, "Watch out!" Oh, I mean, like the idea of it, idea of a UFO even having like a joystick that you steer and it's not controlled by your brain or some hyper advanced AI. I got an argument with someone about AI the other day. I said, "I don't think it's ever. We will never ever, as a human, like a species, see the rise of super advanced AI." I don't think we will. I don't think we will. And you're like, Jason, didn't you just go on a rant about pumpkins? Don't go on a rant about AI. I just don't see it happening. I And I, maybe I'll do an episode on that too, but or why I think that at least. But I just, I think it's so far. People go, oh, you know, put, put in a couple numbers and put in a couple more numbers and then have a quantum computer and put in even more numbers and then all of a sudden Skynet appears. It's Far more advanced than that. We're not even close. I don't even think you could replicate a nematode in a computer as far as the the complexity of it all. And I could be wrong on the nematode thing, but I definitely don't think I'm wrong on the AI thing. I do not think we'll ever have an AI to the level that it will say. And I'm talking about science fiction level AI. Where it would be like, hmm, what is what am I? Who am I? What is going on here? Rrr, take over humanity. I don't think that's ever going to happen. You may eventually create something that says, you've built me to defend humans, and humans are the war- human's worst enemy. Therefore, if I kill all humans, I, I, I've succeeded in defending all humans. That's a flawed program. That That's basically just, a, you're being stupid programming something in a computer going to defend all humans at all costs. That's just dumb. And building that into defense software. I mean, if you put that into a toaster, nobody cares. But I'm talking about an AI that can tr- um, tries to basically anything resembling human thought is completely impossible in a computer environment, I believe. Maybe in 4,000 years, you might get a semblance of that. But nothing close to what we have today. 
It's something you read about in the news every so often, AI taking over, and Elon Musk is super afraid of AI, and blah, blah, blah. It's sci-fi mumbo-jumbo. It's the same thing when people tell me they're afraid of the Antichrist or something like that. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's kind of the same way I feel about it. You're just like... To be to be perfectly fair, if someone told me they were being haunted, if I, if they were being chased down the street by a demon, I would take that more seriously than someone telling me that AI is going to be something in ten years. I'd be like, what? I think the idea of that is 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 just so far out of the technological realm. Again, you can create a robot that thinks and it could beat you at chess or beat you at life or beat you at sorry or any other famous board game by Milton Bradley, but. A building a robot then that then tries to comprehend like what happens to it after you shut it off and all of these human emotions and feelings emotions would be the rather than rather than imitating human feelings actually having something to the level of human feelings millennia's off from that so if you had a UFO fly down across the galaxy and had all these sensors and all of these drive particle thingies that it would take this is a real science heavy episode well okay okay it's me using words most likely incorrectly that are normally used in scientific arenas but it's to be able to plot a course from alpha centauri to earth the just the mere idea of having to avoid every micrometeorite that came your way whether that was some sort of advanced shielding or some advanced navigational system, and honestly, it'd probably be a little bit of both, to then get all the way to Earth and then to crash into a giant 65-foot-tall blade. The the windmill itself is taller than that, but just the blades are about 65 feet tall. To crash into one of those is so unlikely. It points more to the proof that aliens do not have that type of technology to traverse the galaxy than it does to... Rain, water, manufacturing defect, wear and tear, anything like that. But people saw some UFOs and they want to believe that aliens are flying around despite the fact that it makes them look incredibly stupid. Not the people who believe in the aliens. It makes them, you know, you, you can question their beliefs, but they, they observed something and then saw something happen afterwards and put are putting the two together. It makes the aliens look stupid because they're the ones flying their ship into a giant windmill. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story here. Our next story is super short, and I actually planned it. I normally only do short stories when they're short, super short. I found this today. There's a cryptid called Xana, X-A-N-A. It's from Spain. And it's a super kind of boring cryptid. I was looking into it. It's a nature spirit. It's this beautiful young woman. You're like, Jason, that's the opposite of boring. And I'm like, I know, I know. Normally, that would be super exciting, but when you've read, I read a bunch of weirdo cryptids today. This was on the, it was just a beautiful woman that appears in the forest, nature spirit, stuff like that. She didn't do nothing. No claws, she didn't transform into a lizard person, or destroy windmills, or help pumpkins take over the planet. Just real basic stuff. She's basic. Watch, she's gonna haunt me tonight. She's like, I'm not basic. And again, if a beautiful, if a beautiful Spanish cryptid wants to break into my apartment tonight go nuts lady this one though is very very classic she also has i should mention this long blonde or brown hair it's pretty cool and she combs it with a comb made of sunbeams that's beautiful imagery but she also steals babies she can't raise her own kids so she'll sneak into your house like a changeling of typical european descent 
She'll break into your house and then swap babies out. So she gives you the changeling baby and takes yours. And yours presumably is going to pass away because she can't feed it. And then you raise this Xana, you raise this changeling baby as your own. And as she gets older, she eventually leaves the house and joins her kin in the forest. But that's basic changeling stuff. Again, nothing's really groundbreaking except for this. I love this. I found this. This might be one of my favorite weaknesses ever for a cryptid. Quote, in order to unmask the Xanon, that's like the singular of it. In order to unmask the Xanon, one must put some pots and eggshells near the fire. And if the baby is a changeling, he will exclaim, so here's a baby saying this. Here's a baby saying this. It's just not a normal old man. That you, you got a baby, you think it might be changeling. You take some pots and put some eggshells near the fire. And then you take your baby over. Don't put it too close to the fire. You just set it down next to the fire. And it will say that If it's a changeling, it will say this. I was born 100 years ago. And since then, I have not seen so many eggshells near the fire. And then at that point, you know that your baby is a changeling. So you have to go out and try to find your own kid before it's too late. Now, I find this might be one of my, one of my favorite weaknesses in a cryptid. One, because obviously, oh, oh, and after this, after this section of Wikipedia, it said citation needed. I was like, certainly a citation would be helpful for that part. My question is this. Let's say that it's true. How did they figure it out? Let's say that there really is this cryptid that's swapping babies out. Was there one time a harried mother was like, why can't my baby stop crying? Why does it keep wanting that comb with sunbeams in it? (laughs) That doesn't even exist. Baby's like crying. And the woman's like, oh my God, I can't do this. And she's like trying to clean up. But instead, she just throws a bunch of eggshells in a pot and puts it down the fire. And then she hears her little baby go, I was born 100 years ago. She turns around. And since then, I have not seen so many eggshells near the fire. The mother's sitting there in this old shack. Little babies just rolling around on the ground, trying to get closer to the eggshells. She goes to the priest of town. You won't believe this, dude. My baby started talking about eggshells, said he was 100 years old. The priest is like, what? That is kind of weird. Baby's obviously not 100 years old. Like, and then eventually they found her kid in the forest. How would you, like, what was the origin story for that belief? So That would have had to have happened to somebody. But it's it's most likely, okay, it's not true. I don't think this cryptid exists. It could be wrong. I'll, I'll tell you on Monday's episode if she comes over tonight. It's just such a bizarre, it's such a bizarre and specific weakness. And you could imagine, like, mothers in Spain, when their baby's acting up, they're like, that's it, don't make me get out the eggshells, and the baby's like, I know you're a changeling, I know you're not one of ours, breaking eggs. The husband's like, dude, aren't you gonna be eating those? Why are you just wasting this? She's like, shut up! I'm gonna prove this kid's not ours. And she's throwing eggs away, throwing all the shells in a pot, and she puts it down, and she puts the baby next to the fire, not too close again, and the baby's just sitting there crying. And the mom's like, oh, I guess it isn't a changeling. And then the dad's like, turns to the camera and his eyes are glowing yellow. Ah, he's the changeling. He's been the changeling all along. Why? How did this come out? How did people use this? Was there a real epidemic of people thinking their babies were really 100-year-old men who have never seen so many eggs near the fire? Just such a bizarre story. But that was the most interesting thing about the Xanas. I wish there was more to tell you. 
And then, I, speaking of, I wish I had more to tell you, I think I'm out of time for the damn story. I know I should have went off on my ecological rant, so I don't have time to do the damn story. Damn it. But I'm not going to just end it on a story about eggshells and babies. I'm going to tell you something that is super bizarre, and I don't really know how to process it. In the past probably like six to eight months, I've developed a phobia of alcohol. Now, it doesn't mean I haven't drank at all in the past six to eight months, because I've gone out with friends. I've had a drink. But I've developed, and I used to drink heavily when I was in my 20s, when I used to party all the time. I drank and I smoked weed and all sorts of stuff. And it was no big deal. And then I stopped because I just got bored of it and never really liked it. Well, I liked it back then, but it was just a social thing. I never drank on my own. It's just, it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my bag. But recently, I've developed a phobia of alcohol. Like, just thinking about alcohol. If I think about alcohol, I'm like, what, why am I even thinking about, like, what I'm going to drink tonight at the bar? Like, why am... Alcohol is something I... When people ask me, do you drink? I go, so rarely, it's not even worth noting. And I've had long-term friends who have been like, they'll see me shoot Jack, and they'll be like, what? I've only... I've known you for six years. I've only seen you drink beer. And I was like, yeah, I drink Jack every once in a It's so rare. That I'm doing this. I have a theory. Now, we've talked about this before. Before I started doing the podcast, I was pretty miserable. What I do is I was trying to be an author. I was trying to be a writer. And I would come home and I'd be like, oh, I can't wait to get home. I got all these story ideas. I know exactly where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. And But first, I need to take a break. So I'd come home and I'd watch YouTube for about six to seven hours. And then as I was crawling into bed, I was be completely miserable that I hadn't gotten anything accomplished and what a failure I was and how awful things were going in my life. And then I'd wake up and I'd, I'd, oh, I can't wait to get home from work as I'm getting ready to go to work. Oh, I'm going to do all this writing. Today is going to be different. And I was going through that for probably about two or three years. Probably about two. I, I want to say it was that long. It was probably more like a year and a half was when I said, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to make a living writing. And I would produce stuff. I would write stuff. I've been writing all my life, but this was when I was really trying to make a push towards it. So, but I would be miserable for a good good chunk of about a year and a half. I just, my life wasn't going where I wanted it to. And then I started doing the podcast. Now, it's not like the podcast is a living, but the podcast has definitely given me a creative output. It's given me a ton of fan support from you guys. It's given me, it has paid for stuff. It is basically making money now, which is very rare for a podcast. So things are going great artistically, financially, all of that. But there was a point in time, very recent point in time, last year, where I was just completely miserable. And I feel like my life is branched off. And I, this is why I think, again, this totally, I have no proof for any of this. The reason why all of a sudden a man who's 43 develops a fear of alcohol is that I think in an alternate timeline, I am an alcoholic. I think in a very, very close alternate timeline, I am an alcoholic. And I'm struggling every day with drinking. And it's bleeding over to this universe. Very, very weird feeling. Because I... Don't even like, like, I will sit there and be like, maybe I should have alcohol at my apartment. So in case a girl comes over, because, you know, a lot of girls in town, a lot of, I think a lot of girls in general drink wine. I was like, I should have a bottle of like red or red and white wine, not together. That'd be cool. Isn't that rosé? 
I should have a bottle of red, a bottle of white, some nice wine. I'll never drink it, but just have it in the house so when girls come over, they can have some. And the, the idea of having alcohol in my house petrifies me, terrifies me. Absolutely. And I've had alcohol. I've had Everclear at my house. I had like 190 proof alcohol in my house just a few years ago. There's no problem. But now the idea of having it in my house, like, I hate to use the word, but triggers me. To the point where I won't have it. I remember um, for some event that had recently passed, I was like, oh, I need to go buy alcohol before I go there so I have something to drink in case they don't have anything to drink there that I drink and because I'm on keto. And I was like, why am I even trying to process? I was actually like getting concerned that I was thinking about buying alcohol. And there's nothing, there would have been nothing wrong with me buying alcohol to take to somebody's house if all they had was beer and I needed a keto alternative. There's nothing wrong with that. The idea that I was putting any processing power into alcohol before I got to the party really, really concerned me. It was really weird. And I had this feeling once before. I remember back when I was in my 20s, I was drinking all the time. I had a one of those big 1.75 liters of vodka sitting in my kitchen. And I was laying on my couch and I was super depressed. And I'm like, uh, uh, I want to drink all that vodka. I, I'm just going to get drunk. I'm going to drink all that vodka. And all I could do all day long was think about drinking vodka as I was laying on my couch. And I was talking to my friend Liz and I go, I think I'm an alcoholic. And she goes, why? And I go, all I can do all day long is think about drinking vodka. And she goes, are you drinking any vodka? And I was like, no, I just think about it. And she's like, well, then, no, then you're not an alcoholic. Like, if you think all day long about drinking vodka, but you're too lazy to get up off the couch to even pour a shot, probably not an alcoholic. And I go, yeah, you're kind of right. But I was processing it. I was, like, thinking about it. And just the idea of thinking, it's funny now that I remember that, even thinking it about it back then scared me. But then I, that was, like, when I was 23. So we go 20 years, and I go to a party and have a beer. Go out, have a shot of Jack. Never even really consider it until now. maybe back then the two timelines were converging as well. But yeah, I feel like I'm in an alternate timeline where the podcast didn't get started or the podcast started, but I picked the wrong subject. Like I was going to do like a political podcast or a movie review podcast or whatever it was, and it lasted seven episodes and ended. Or never did the podcast or whatever, and I f- started drinking. Because that's an easy, that's a very, very easy out. It's a cheap and legal way to shut down your brain. And I chose that path. But now I'm at a point where with my beta blockers, I can't drink anyways. As, as long as I'm on this and they're still trying to figure out exactly why my heart went off, they I can't drink anyways. And I was talking to my mom on the phone and I said, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that I don't have any substance abuse problems. And it's funny because that is another thought that I'll just be sitting sitting at home sometime or be out somewhere and I'm thinking, I'm so glad I'm not a drug addict. I'm so glad I'm not an alcoholic. But my point is, is that one, anyone can fall into these traps at any point in time. I remember I was watching a documentary the other day. I was watching this documentary about homeless people in New York City. And I have a rule. Generally, the reason why I watch YouTube is because there's it can't get super offensive. It can't get super gross, right? So usually if I bring home a Subway sandwich or something or I'm eating some burgers, put on some YouTube, I'll watch, you know, Ohm Wrecker play Dead by Daylight for a half hour. Whatever it is, I know things aren't going to get too bad. And and this is the reason why I, I didn't follow that rule this time. I go, oh, I have a documentary about homeless people in New York City. I'm going to eat dinner and watch this documentary about homeless people in New York City 
It's like a documentary made from these Swedish filmmakers. The opening shot was a homeless dude. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Because I normally don't do this. I know this is a couple months ago this happened to me, and then I haven't done this again. I was sitting down to eat dinner, and the opening shot of this documentary, some of you guys may know this documentary when I say this, the opening shot of the documentary is a homeless dude blowing some guy, <laughs> just full on, not silhouetted, not shadowed, but a homeless guy giving some other guy a blowjob. Full on camera frame. And I was like, I just put my food down and I go, seriously, dude? Seriously? This is the opening shot of your movie? But... Because it was about homeless people in love. And this these guys were like, yeah, you know, I'm with my girlfriend. But sometimes you got to blow a dude to get some drug money. The reason why I'm bringing that up is not just to, to, to warn people not to watch this documentary while eating. It was a good documentary. Just don't eat it. You're eating a hot dog. You're entering a hot dog eating contest. You're like, but first, I want to find out about homeless people in love. One of the um, hobos, one of the hom- homeless people says... I've seen it happen over and over again. Some guy comes from some other part of the country, comes to New York, hooks up with a guy, and then next thing he knows, the guy from New York has the visitor, has the tourist, smoking meth, smoking crack. Tourist spends all of his money to get home, spends all of it on drugs within a weekend, stuck in the city, can't leave. That's how easy it is to to fall into these traps, right? And so I feel like, and I'm going to go back to my original point here and start wrapping this up, but I feel like, you're like, no, Jason, tell us more about the homeless people in love documentary. I feel like there is a very, very close universe where I have a drinking problem. And it's bleeding over to this universe. And that may just be some weird hang-up I've developed over alcohol over the past couple of months. It's possibly, I could could be... I don't know, I don't really know, obviously that is a far-fetched sci-fi answer, but I can't really think of something else, there's been no trigger, I haven't lost a friend to alcoholism recently, there's no been no big event, I just feel like when I think about alcohol, it scares me, I don't want to have it around me, I'll go to bars and hang out, obviously, because my buddies will hang out there, but I'll go and I'll drink water for the most part. And I am not like, ooh, I'm not like running away from them when they're drinking their ciders and stuff like that. But I just, it makes me uneasy to think of me being drunk or me having alcohol on me. Though both of those feelings make me feel super uneasy and I don't like thinking about it. And I think that's the way that a struggling drug addict or a struggling alcoholic would feel as well. Like, I don't want to be around it. It's going to cause bad things. And I'm not trying to trivialize this stuff either. I'm not trying to be like, well, you know, I know what it's like, guys. My alternate version of myself. I'm not, I hope that's not, I hope it's coming across the way that I wanted to come across. Basically, that I've developed this weird hang, basically, that I've developed this weird hang up over alcohol and I don't know why. Because I'm not a drinker. I'm not struggling with it. I'm not struggling with substance abuse in general, other than nicotine, which I gave up. Haven't you? Haven't you, I don't even think about nicotine anymore. So, so the sweet, sweet nicotine. No, I don't even. I, I, I totally forget that I was even using it for as long as I did, except when I was like having to find alternatives. I'm sticking tissue paper in my mouth, but the actual nicotine high, I'm not really thinking about anymore. But 
Yeah, I, I just don't know what other way to do, to explain what's why I'm going through this. And there may be a someone could go, Jason. It's a normal reaction as you're getting older, your body starts processing sugar. But again, it's not even like a fact of me drinking alcohol. It's the mental process, the idea of me thinking about drinking alcohol that freaks me out. So, is it possible that my timelines diverged at a very integral point a couple months ago? A year ago. And in one of them, I'm here with you talking about Dead Rabbit Radio and all these great subjects and everything that's going to come. All the great stories to come. And then in another one, things didn't have such a happy ending. And I find myself trying to relive my glory days of my 20s. Nothing really mattered, just wanted a party, and the easiest way to do that was for me to grab a bottle or hang out at a bar. If those two timelines are true, if things did diverge right there, and in one version now I am an alcoholic that is struggling daily with trying to be sober, I, or where I'm at right now, which is very happy and safe, and loved, I feel loved in this timeline. I hope that when I'm getting some of these negative feelings of wanting to not be around alcohol, not wanting to have it around me, not wanting to drink, being fearful of alcohol, I hope that that alternate Jason is getting some of the love and warmth that I'm getting from this universe, and feeling that as well, And, and knowing that in an alternate timeline, things are better. In an alternate timeline, the answer is not the drugs or the bottle. The answer is something else. I hope it works both ways. I hope it works both ways. Because everyone can have hope. Everyone can get better. Even if they're living in the wrong timeline, and things aren't going right right now, hopefully everyone ends up in the timeline that is the healthiest and safest for them. That's all we can really hope for. And so, alternate Jason, I wish you the best. And I hope you find your way and your happiness. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.